Witches and mortals seldom do mix, but when mixed marriage is on the cards, insanity pursues with the classic 60s sitcom Bewitched with your co-hosts, Vicky Ray, Rod Labby, and Keith Chandler. Witches have never been so exposed before. Hello, welcome to the Johnson Podcast, and we're discussing Bewitched, Season 2, Episodes 1 through 4. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. we got special guest, Barbara Venkatarama with us. Hello, Barbara. Hi, how are you? <laughs> and of course, we have Vicky Ray. Hello, Vicky. Hi, everyone. And Jesse Fultz. Hello, Jesse. Hello, folks. And before we get started, let's find out what we've all been up to. So starting with you, Barbara, what have you been up to since last month, since we last talked to you? I actually have some news. Um, uh, This past year, I did a collaboration with a bunch of other authors where we did um, flash fiction, stories of 100 words, exactly 100 words. So we started with Halloween. We did scary shorts. Then we did holiday shorts. Then we did Valentine shorts. And we just released Dog Days of Summer shorts. And then we put them all together and released the collection. And we actually had 140 stories, which I was surprised. That's fantastic. It's a very fun little thing. And it's, you know, very great idea. But they're kind of cute. So that was fun. And I met some really nice authors. Good. Yeah, when we did the, um, Vicky and I were running the literary agencies, we did um, put some anthologies together. And yeah. I always found it was yeah, like quite fun four, because we? it kind of opens up people's like gear fans, find other fans, you know, mm-hmm. find other authors and their fans find you. And I love we found it, it was a really good exercise and it was quite fun to put it all together and, yeah. and cut goal. and choose and figure out what goes with and how you flow the whole anthology together. So mm-hmm. that was the- I, I, I think I found some of my favorite authors that way through anthologies and things. Yeah, like that. yeah, quite a few actually. Cool. And what about you, Jess? What have you been up to? Um, well, I went to a campfire last night. Um, been working out, so I don't know. I'm really, really sore. I, I can't really lift heavy things right now because <laughs> I really pushed my arms and my chest the other day. You wussy. Um, <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. It's been, I mean, I haven't, I used to wrestle when I was in high school, but it's been seven years since I did that. So I'm oh not, my God, you're so old and decrepit. No, it's not that. It's just, it's been a while for me and I haven't been to the gym consecu- consecutively or consistently since. So um, yeah, kind of sucks, okay. but otherwise, yeah. It's a good did, kind um, of sore though. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, I mean, sometimes, but right now it's kind of, it's a little debilitating because you actually can't lift heavy stuff right now. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah. Um, and then I also did, um, for a friend, I did that Marilyn Monroe um, digital painting. I started doing really a, a nice. sketch and then I translated it. And then um, my my skills that I learned from Photoshop during um, the school year really paid off because it helped me add some cool layers to make it look more vintage. Like it's a genuine photograph, but like a cartoon, like Disney style. It, it was like, a, it reminded me of like the Snow White animation from like the 1930s and i thought that was really cool it's very nice um yeah I, i'm actually really impressed with how it turned out because I, I was struggling so hard to get her face right in the initial sketch and it turned out perfect and um i, I can't stop looking at it because it's so well done um but <laughs> it is well uh, done i have to give you that it's very nice yeah it's probably the best uh, digital work that i've turned out especially what since it came from a sketch that i was doing of her so really glad that turned out um and that's pretty much what i've been doing lately is just more uh more summer you know summer stuff campfires and whatnot so 
That's yeah. why you're late. Just need to sell it as an NFT, yeah. and then you can pay off every loan you ever had. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and in six months' time, Jesse will be with his new body. Will begin doing his um, podcast t- shirtless for us. Yay! Exactly. <laughs> 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 Coming to a YouTube channel, so are you two or two? <laughs> and what about yourself, Vix? What have you been up to? Not a whole lot since the last time I talked to you. Just uh, making some plans for the summer. Um, taking Asher to a state race this weekend. Uh, might go watch some funny cars tonight. We got NASCAR tickets for tomorrow. So, yay, Asher will love that. He just loves anything, makes noise, and goes fast. So, But other than that, <laughs> I was... Uh, watching some stuff on Netflix and the usual horror stories, you know, not the usual. I've been trying to find new stuff, but it's hard. I'm kind of into the Korean horror gig right now. I kind of like these people. They, they don't have filters, but they do it with such finesse, you know? So what about you, Keith? Well, myself, um, I watched a new horror film called them. Um, no, called the spell which is a black horror film dealing with voodoo with the Reta Divine. Very good. I actually Ooh, really what, What's it called? Damn, you watched what's it. What's it called? The Spell. The Spell or A Spell? The Spell. Didn't you watch it, Okay, Jessica? where... No, I watched them. That's what he initially said, because I've seen them recently. That's really good, too. Um, what what cha- what is this on? Is it like it's, no, it's a new movie? It's a new movie. I saw it's over here. It's on um what we our version of HBO, oh. which is Sky over here. But I, I imagine it's oh, probably okay. It's, it's probably available on, on DVD or download or something. I, I imagine if you look for it. But I, I would say it's worth a okay. watch. I enjoyed it actually. It doesn't go more. It doesn't go more for. It doesn't go for the body horror or gore aspect. It's more the psychological aspect of it, which is quite interesting, actually. Psychological is good. Sometimes psychological is a whole lot better. Yeah, precisely. I I was quite impressed with that. (laughs) And then I'm looking forward to the Resident Evil TV show that starts in four weeks' time. Yay. Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, which will be on Netflix in four weeks' time. Oh, really? Is that why they're pushing all the Resident Evil movies lately? I still haven't seen the one you were talking about. That one's really good, actually. That was good. So. And then I started playing the games from um, beginning. I just finished The Enemy Within... um, part one and two so that they were really good and now i'm starting back at the resident evil to get the resident evil story vibe and get excited for what's coming so so but that brings us to bewitched um basically bewitched now we're going to season two and what we are now going to be experience is the second merit the second year of marriage between Samantha and Darren. And we start out with episode one from season one called uh, Alias Darren Stevens. It's Samantha and Darren's first wedding anniversary. After stopping by unexpectedly, Aunt Clara's magic accidentally turns him into a chimpanzee. Darren has to avoid Larry Tate and work until Aunt Clara can remember how to reverse the spell. He becomes trapped in a zoo after being reported found loose by Gladys Kravitz. Samantha learns that she is pregnant and wants to tell Darren the news, but she has to find him first. And this was filmed in May 20th, 1965. So, Barbara, what are your thoughts of this episode? Well, you know, it's funny because I watched these as a kid. And so now, of course, for me, it's a trip down memory lane. And then, of course, now I've got decades more TV under my belt. So they go back and go, wow, was that hokey or what? (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I mean, just the dialogue, the plot, everything. But I know I thought it was great when I saw it the first time. And so for me, it was also nostalgia. But, um, you know, uh, her, I guess I would have to say Elizabeth Montgomery star power, of course, carries the whole thing the whole time. She never gets upset about anything. Her husband's turned into a chimp or you know, nothing. She's just like, okay, well, let's go do something about it. But um, I thought it was, um, I thought it was cute. I, I realized there were some politically incorrect things as I was watching it. Um, things I'm sure I didn't catch the first time. Like um, there's something about showing an outfit, a little boy outfit. Is that in this episode where she goes, uh, we we don't want our boy to grow up to be a sissy or something. We don't want to be a sissy. And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, oh, the good old yeah. days where you can say everything and not everybody get offended. God, yeah, yeah. And then of course Gladys Kravitz's husband is such a jerk to her. You're just thinking that's he not is. Funny. He it's just not- sits on the couch. He's always like immobile or sedentary in some position with something he's reading. <laughs> right. You know? it kind of reminded me of Ralph Cramden. You know, yeah. a, little, a little passive. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, like, he doesn't actually punch her in the face, but, you know, he's verbally abusive. And I was, like, kind of shocked at that, that that was considered, you know, funny and acceptable. So those are my thoughts. And I like the chimp. The chimp was cute. <laughs> I thought the chimp was cute, too. I mean, I have to say that, um, I mean, this is another episode we have Aunt Clara. And, I mean, for me, Bewitch always hinges on the guest stars. You know, the... the Samantha's family, when they come in, they always make it more and more special. And and Aunt Clara is so endearing and so lovely. And, you know, and even like, you know, at the end, and she's polishing her doorknobs, you know, and, you know, and, you know, as we, you know, discussed here when she first appeared, I mean, her hobby in real life was collecting doorknobs. The actress, Mary Lord. but there's just a, you know, there's kind of like a, a sweetness to her and a loveliness to her. And, they say and, she was really sweet in real life. She was really genuinely sweet like that. Well, you know, it's quite amazing because when we did our Alfred Hitchcock season, we did, we did a car Strangers on the Train. And of course, she's the mother of Bruno and she's right. kind of controlling and ag- passive aggressive. And it's, you know, and then you see her like, this is the dowdry old person. Right. But I also find that with Bewitch, when Aunt Clara's ever in an episode, they there's this melancholy sweetness that does flow through the episodes with her in it. And they and they make up a certain point that there's this sweetness, oh an oversweetness that you don't Everybody see. wants an Aunt Clara. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying that like even, you know, it's like, you know, Aunt Clara's the one that even Darren loves Aunt Clara. Even like, you know, even Aunt Clara turns him into a chimp. Now if now if something happens and this was Endor that turned him to a chimp, you would have got a totally different Darren by the end of it. Yeah. But because Aunt Clara is he's like, oh you know, it's fine. It's Aunt Clara. My brain is is you not know? on hyperdrive. How did she turn him into a chimp now? She was trying to make his hat bigger. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was like, God, I can't remember why she did that to him. Now, for our people, for our fans out there who like a little bit of trivia, if you notice the spell that she gave him was actually words from a popular song from the 1950s, which was a number one hit for Debbie Reynolds and Eddie Fisher. Oh. oh my god oh my god that's gonna be stuck in my head uh. <laughs> an a honeymoon <laughs> yeah oh my god i haven't thought of that neon so god which i thought oh that's quite clever because <laughs> it's like you know because even though i mean okay i mean you know it does have um 
I mean, Bewitched does have that Flintstone feel about it. You know, you have Fred and Wilma, the next door neighbor, Barney, you know, sort of thing, which is based on the honeymooners, basically. It does seem to be, yeah. And it does have the sitcom. Um, I mean, as far as um, Gladys Kravitz and her husband, Abner, I don't know if I, I mean, we, we, we had a discussion about the Kravitz in one of our previous episodes yeah. saying that basically is, is that I think what their relationship basically was is that she was at home and he went to work. Now he's retired and he's probably thinking, why are you normally know, people get retired and they haven't spent any time together. Now they're spending all the time together. And That's I, true though. That really happens. You know, it's sort yeah. of like Scott, Scott, well, not that Scott, Scott's going to retire in like two years, but you know, he's a teacher and a coach and then he's home all summer. And I'm just like, <laughs> no summer school. And that's what kind of reminds me, <laughs> and that's what kind of reminds me of Abner because I kind of thinking like, I mean, Abner can be a really, a real jerk. But then I also think that, can you imagine living with Gladys 24-7 as well? You know, she's like, got her nose in everyone's business all the time. <laughs> well, they loved each other once upon a time. Remember that, where they, they were in the, the mall together or whatever, that they were, they were kids. She was like a cheerleader and he was whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to oh, remember, yeah, you know, the yeah. person, that, the person that you were I mean, you know, between 16 and 20 is a totally different person than when you're in your 60s. Oh, Lord, <laughs> is it not true? <laughs> what are your thoughts on this episode jesse i thought it was really funny and perfect because you know indoors always referring to darwin and um him as like a monkey or insinuating that he's <laughs> an ape or something it was so perfect that he was turned into a monkey he kind of looks like one i mean not to be offensive <clears throat> but sometimes darren reminds me of a monkey so <laughs> that was like a perfect oh, thing to turn him into um and it was cool that they actually got a real monkey can you imagine today they would just use i don't know computer generation they're i don't know whether maybe they're just afraid that monkeys are going to peel people's faces off or something but I, I thought it was cool that they actually used monkeys and that the monkey was like interacting with people and yeah it was mostly on cue and stuff and I, I thought that was really cool I liked it when Endora and Samantha were trying to dress him in different clothes. She goes, oh, that's really cute. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so funny because the, the, sec- like, the second that her mother comes up with something, Samantha just kind of like loses herself for a minute. It's like, oh, that's so adorable. Oh, that's yeah. a great idea. Like also like in the sleeping episode when Darren was sleeping, they were changing his face. She just kind of went along with her mother's, yeah. I don't know. That's what mothers and daughters do. That's what we do. (laughs) I'm telling you. And then she offered him that banana at breakfast. She goes, would you like a nice banana? (laughs) (laughs) And then she was still waiting for him to come around the corner, but he just never did. And then he runs out the window (laughs) when Larry Tate comes up. Yeah. I love I love the way I love the way Endor interacts with him too. <laughs> she just is talking to him like he's a little baby yeah. and is saying, I'm gonna go upstairs and let him know that you're here. And Larry she's Tate, talking yeah. to him and then he runs out the window. It's just so funny. This of episode all is really good. And I know we were with. talking last season. I know, I know. I, it was so crazy that they actually, you know, did that. <laughs> But with like the last season that we were talking about how it kind of got a little slow and repetitive from like the earlier episodes, I really feel like they started off kind of fresh with um, with like ideas for these four because they were so funny and so interesting. And I totally forgot about them until I um, rewatched these because it's been a while since I've seen season two because um, season one's my favorite. So I've seen those a bazillion times and season three is also my favorite. So I'll remember 
those more, but I haven't seen season two as much, I guess. So it was kind of nice to refresh myself. Yeah. It's nice to catch up on them. I, I haven't, I sub like, like, like a few other people. I also, you know, don't remember everything. I used to watch these when I was a kid. Cause my brothers used to love, you know, Samantha, they had a crush on her. Oh, sure. didn't back then, but I used to, I don't remember them. So when you see these episodes, it is kind of like, Oh, wow. It's kind of like something new, you know, but I mean, of all people to leave mm-hmm. Darren with, she has to have Andorra babysit. But apparently, you know, it was kind of an emergency, <laughs> so you know. And Larry's always such a, he's an inconvenient friend, is he not? Is. He's just always around at the wrong he really time. Is. He has a boundary problem. He has many boundaries. <laughs> definitely problems. did. Well, I mean, another thing that you find quite amusing is that when Darren disappears and goes running off and Kravitz find him, of course, and then, um, and then no one knows where he is. And Dora's like, okay, well, it's not my problem anymore. And disappears. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> well, I thought it was funny though. He goes, he thought the monkeys were rejecting him at the end of the episode. Goes, oh, I know. I love that when she's concerned. <laughs> I love monkeys. how that was his concern. <laughs> Look, after he's transformed, one of his complaints was that the monkeys in the cage didn't like him because they thought he was some rich, pompous monkey <laughs> or something. <laughs> like, wow, you were turned into a monkey and that's your concern? <laughs> I know, because the other monkeys were mean to me. <laughs> but- and then Samantha, Samantha's just like, oh, I'm sorry, darling. <laughs> I know, but it's at the so end of ridiculous. the day... She always, he always loves her no matter what her family does to him. He, she, he still loves her. And I mean, he, I mean we got well, how many up more seasons to go through. It doesn't get any better, does it? <laughs> For Darren. Turn into a monkey, I might have an issue with it. <laughs> I mean, I think that, um, I mean, I think, you know, we did get some misplaced anger issues with Darren whenever Samantha used her spells. Witchcraft. Yeah, that does happen. That does happen. And it did, yeah. But it, um, but it does seem like by the end, end of season one and now we're in season two that he's a bit more laxed about it sort of You're thing. Accepting. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not like on her case all the time about it sort of thing. And to be honest, um, when he does become back to being human and of course he's lost his, you know, lost his crap about it. You know, the thing <laughs> is you can kind of understand. I mean, he, it's been quite hell because, and, we also learned something else in Bewitch that we didn't learn previously because we've seen people turn into animals and animals turn back into people. But now we actually know that when they're, tr- when they're turned into an animal, that that person is actually inside that animal, Yeah, you know, because Darren's able to, you know, Darren is chimpanzee can write. Darren's chimpanzee is reading. Darren is a chimpanzee knows exactly what's being said. So Darren is actually trapped inside that um, chimpanzee's body. Yeah. So now, I mean, I think this is the first time we have actually had evidence within the bewitched world that this is what happens when someone gets turned into an animal. As long as the writers are consistent with that idea, because I mean, sometimes you don't really know. I don't think they took it as seriously as, you know, like more of a witch drama would. But since it's a comedy, I think they just do things for comedic relief. Unless genie too, weren't they? I think so. I'm trying to think what animals did they have in there i think mr healy might have been turned into something i don't even know we should do that to, we should cover i dream of genie at some point i think that'd be cool well at some point um, and the adams family or maybe get the further into bewitch they actually start sharing scripts <laughs> the same scripts going back and forth and <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh geez but yeah no, I, you know, I thought i thought i thought it was a quite cute um, great, a good season opener 
you know, because you got to remember that definitely you know, this, this is before, you know, the this, this show wasn't running 24 seven on any yeah. kind of network. You caught it at nine o'clock at too. this specific day and time. And if you missed it, you missed it. And of course, your season opener was always more important. And you also have to remember that in this time period between I think it was between 1960 and about 1983, 84, um, the seasons would always start in september and then basically what you got is the week before the season all the new seasons all the new shows came out and stuff like this you would get a television show by each network telling you what to look forward to that season and what was coming your way and we also got we also remember the children's one as well but you know it's the abc children's power yay it's like hr puffin stuff and now you know they bring out everything and you get to see what's going to happen this season and what's coming your way Didn't they do the after school specials was it abc that used to do those yeah abc yeah but that was during the during the week that was on a saturday morning right thing. that was the, Does anyone remember tv guide man that was my bible yeah. <laughs> oh my god yeah. can you imagine kids really. looking at a tv guide today Oh, t- I mean, the TV Guide fall preview was the big thing to buy, wasn't it? You get that, yeah. and you, look through it, you read it. Do they even still make TV Guide? Do they still do that? I don't I think, think so. so. I've seen smaller ones, but not, I, I don't think they're as condensed. I think they come in more of like a tiny magazine form. I, I've at least seen them for like soap operas and stuff. But I know I, soap I don't operas know. have them, but I'm talking about yeah. TV Guide. That's like the full me. big, ma- yeah, like the big full book. I, mean, I remember going through TV Guide and once we had, once I had cable, like going through and like, because by that time, cable was great, so you like circle what you're going to see, so you would miss it. Everything's well, <laughs> on demand. You don't need a TV guide. I mean, it's not yeah, like true. you don't even need cable anymore. Well, you got <laughs> TV guide now, but it's an app. Ah, okay. <laughs> you can get yeah, the app. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of a Twilight Zone episode where like all books are obsolete and they just burn all books. I feel like oh, that's going to happen because me. of technology. We're just not going to have books unless people decide that they want books as an option because like everything's digital. People read books on a Kindle for crying out loud. Um, I refuse to do that because I actually love, I love collecting books. I love the smell of books. I like to page through illustrations. Um, You know, I I just, I I like to have a physical book. I think, I think there's going to be ebbs and flows because if you look at music, Everything went to CD and now everything's digital. But yeah. record yeah. albums, the old records are coming back. And they're $30 yes, they are. an album. I an collect album. them. I collect them. I, I have I have a vinyl record player and then I also collect some. Mostly my, my favorite artists because they are expensive. <laughs> so I can't just I go got out a whole bunch of albums at my mother's house in new york i'm just like god i get those out of there i actually got, I actually got rid of all mine turned everything digital everything all mine's on a, on a hard drive but there's something about vinyl it's just different you know it's just i know I like, it's i i it actually, has like I actually was undersound you know everything yes. i read now yes. is on digital because it's easier for me to read because i do book reviews so yeah. the, the publishing companies give me 20 to 30 books a month to read Right. So it's a lot easier just to read them on my Kindle as I'm going back and forth to work and stuff like this. But otherwise, I do enjoy reading my books. So. And I could download books from the library in two seconds and, you know, it returns itself. I mean, it couldn't be more convenient. Oh, really? You can do that with the public library now? Yeah. yeah. No kidding. I didn't know that. Yeah. And my library always has everything new. Like, I'll see a new book and I'll think, oh. Wow. I might have to get on a wait list. But then, it's you know, I get an email that it's available. And then. It's no safe- kidding. Until and the thing cool Wi Fi on your Kindle, it'll stay there even after it returns. It's you know, technically returns itself. So if you haven't finished it, you can just keep it on your Kindle. 
Wow, yeah, I didn't know that. That's it's neat. all done through an app sort of thing. All you got to do is have a library card and basically right. you put your library card I got a card couple of those. No, oh, it's so convenient. And, and I think, as an author, I got to say, like, my Kindle books are 99 cents or $1.99, but I right. also have them available in paperback and they're $10. I mean, I, I can't make them any cheaper, you know, no. I, you know, create, and, uh, um, create space and it's print on demand. So if someone wants a paperback, they can write for it. But I feel so bad that it's like $10. I'm just like, just get the ebook. It's a dollar ninety nine. No, but um, yeah, we had that problem. We were in um, publishing just, as well. So, yeah. but the app for libraries, um, which is international, which is available in the UK, USA, and Canada, I think it's called Overdrive. Or Overdrive. I'm going to have to so. look that. Actually, I'll write it down. You can use Overdrive, right? Like you yeah. can have it from your local library. So yeah. I didn't, I had no idea libraries were doing that. Great. And you can even look at magazines too. You can even, I mean, you can check out, you can check cool. out books. <laughs> I learned I something like new is, every day. I do. I, I do. feel like this is turning into an advertisement for the specific product. <laughs> oh, reading, which is, is perfect. Important. <laughs> I know it, it just it's per, it's perfect because this is the literary license podcast so what better to talk about <laughs> now I just learned something new every time I do one of these and I had no idea that was going on so sorry we we always tangent either. <laughs> well so we forgot to mention that at the end of the episode Darren learns that that they're expecting yep and I feel bad for him kind of because he's so excited but you know it's still in the back of your head knowing okay is it going to be a little witch or is it going to be a little human he says that is it going to be a witch and she says I don't know I don't know yeah and we know since we've seen it <laughs> yeah. we know where they're going yeah yeah well, I think that the girl that played Tabitha what's her name again Keith I'm having a, a brain fart the what the, who played Tabitha? What's her name? Erin Murphy. Yeah, she's the only one that's still alive on the whole cast. Yeah, well. I know. It would be so great to get her. Did, did, did we have plans? Do we have plans? <laughs> we will find her. Poor thing. She's like, I've had a life since then, you know? <laughs> oh, they all have. Most people do. Now, the most interesting thing, on a little bit of tidbit of information, this is the first episode in Bewitched to feature the Screen Gems logo that would have S from hell um, written inside the logo it had what s from hell written s from hell yeah. really inside the logo yeah so. this brings us to episode number two a very special delivery darren is doting on samantha upon news that she's pregnant larry here we go again. Convinces him that he is a healthy that is a, that that it is healthy for Samantha to continue to do hard work. After Darren starts to neglect Samantha, and Dora casts a spell on him, so he will know exactly what it feels like to be pregnant. Darren doesn't know why he's feeling as bad or as emotional as he does, so he d- goes to the doctor for a checkup. When the doctor says that it's almost like he's going to have a baby, Darren realizes it was probably Endora's doing. So, Vix, what's your thoughts on this episode? I don't know why. I was re-watching this this morning and I was having coffee. And I this one just killed me. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> just Because you know where this is going to happen because men don't get it. It's very uncomfortable being pregnant. Although, you know, we're all, love, we're all glowing and basking in our hormones and stuff. It really can be a tough time, <laughs> especially when you're sleep deprived and you have to pee all night long. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought it was that the best part about this for me is when he started getting there. Derek start Darren Darren started getting emotional. 
And, you know, and he's trying to hide his face from Larry because he's crying and he's getting upset. And then he's having lunch with one of the the soon to be clients and he wants his pickle. And I'm dying because he's really upset. He goes, I just want his pickle. I don't know why I'm fixated on his pickle. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, and I'm just like sitting here and I, I started laughing this morning because sometimes if you don't watch something, you, you know, you watch it, but if you run it by again, you get all this other stuff. You probably didn't capture. Well, Innuendo? Innuendo? <laughs> maybe, well, I've got a dirty mind. I know Keith does. Frozen. <laughs> I, I... Here we go. <laughs> Where did we leave off? No, I thought the pickle... Thing was kind of funny. I just thought it was funny. I, I mean, and he's crying. A, uh, and he's getting wise tale, though, isn't it? What the pickle? The pickle thing, like pregnant women. I want didn't pickles want pickles. I don't pickles know about Barbara, but I did not. But, want but that, that's like that's like one of those pregnancy wise tales that you always hear about, but you never know anyone. It's the that's vinegar. Ever heard of Maybe the pickle, it's the vinegar. Yeah, no, I've never seen it. I either. used to drink pickle juice out of the jar sometimes because when I was pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I do that. I've never been pregnant. I did want some weird things. I mean, like I, I used to get a cheese sub with hot peppers on it and I, I just had to have it and I'd cut it up in like 10 pieces and eat it all day to stop. That's the- just, that's just comfort food right there. And I used to get like having that. this blueberry craze where I had to have blueberries, blueberries, blueberries. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> Donuts and bacon. That was my thing on Saturdays. <laughs> but no pickles, no pickles, no pickles. Yeah. But you, you can tell a woman didn't write this episode because it's not, I felt like even though I don't have this experience, I helped my mom and I was there to help my mom when she was pregnant. And I've never seen any of these kinds of things. I never felt she was emotional for no reason or any of that. My mom was very normal and had very normal pregnancy. I don't know, but you know, if other women experienced that, but you can tell a man with these certain ideas. I also think, but I also think with women and also, um, talking generally and from a psychological point of view is that women for their first pregnancy is totally different than women in their second and third. Oh God. Yeah. You're all, you're doing everything right the first time around. And then the second time around, it's like, (laughs) it's also like, it's also like the hormones and, you know, if you, if you do become emotional, it's like, the first time you don't know why, but the second one's like, okay, I, I you have an understanding yeah. why, and you know what I mean? You have more of an understanding of what your body's going through for the second one. It's like the first one's like, well, this is a different experience. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> it feels like everyone's like different. Have an alien like, there was what? something that annoyed me. <laughs> there was something that annoyed me about Darren's reasoning why he decided to not um wait on her out Samantha anymore well yeah but the fact that he, he um it was larry he told larry. Dora and samantha that he read a book but it's like he didn't read a book he got a mm-hmm. tiny snippet of information from larry that could have easily been taken out of context and had some biased spin to it because you know larry um and he acted like he read the book and was an expert about it and it was very obnoxious it's like dude you didn't even read the book why are you telling them you read the book and like you're some kind of self-proclaimed that expert might now? Been a little miss oh i understand pregnant women now i get it <laughs> well I think, yeah maybe i don't know you know the thing is i think what this i think what the show actually shows i mean i, I got to, i think for a, a show from you know what is it, 1965 we're at in the moment. I think for a 1965 show, I think that they actually covered, a, they, they, they took a serious 
subject. Okay, they, they, you know, at the end of the day, this is a sitcom. It's not a documentary or serious drama or anything like that. And we're able to take a serious um, topic, actually, make it funny, but make it understandable. And the thing is, I mean, you know, and what Larry said, basically, what Larry told Darren is basically what men tend to think about women being pregnant. You know, these are the stereotypes that they thought. And, you know, another thing is that, you know, Larry does kind of have a weird point at the same time, because back in days of old, you know, it kind of reminds uh, women did, you know, my grandmother, when she had, um, had my, my mom and my, my aunts and uncles. And even when she miscarried, she was back milking the cows that afternoon. You know what I mean? This is what, you know, this is what women did. And, you know, well, it was I'm not saying it's right. It was a different world, agree. but yeah, it's, it, I, I can but, see that. But, I know people but, that milk it, they'll milk it. I've, I've milked it before in the past, you know, if I knew I'd get away with something, but. But, <laughs> but, but you also, but you also have to remember the book that Larry, that Larry was reading from. It was written by a male author right that's, you know the thing exactly. is and that's what's quite interesting about Bewitch is that when you start putting it together and you start thinking about it it's like yeah it looks a bit light and airy on the outside of it but actually when he actually dig deeper it's like Larry reads this book by this male doctor author who knows yeah. nothing about pregnancy because let's face it men will never know about pregnancy right. whatever in their life because it's a it's a female experience they're never you know you, you can live with someone who's you know knocked out eight children and yeah. be, you know, totally and never at home with that woman, but you're still never going to have the full experience of that yeah. pregnancy. <laughs> no, but when he said, if you damper her, you know, women, they'll make a career out of childbirth. I was ready to leap through the TV and punch him right in the face. <laughs> Nobody's going to make a career out of childbirth, let me tell you. I was like, as if it's childbirth. just easy, like popping popcorn, you just pop kids out of your uterus or something it's like it doesn't work like that well the question is is like how i mean you can't make a career out of something that you're never gonna make money at (laughs) right and i was gonna yeah exactly three words popped into my head how dare you (laughs) you know what's funny about it though the women always it doesn't matter i mean i mean some people say it's not politically correct or whatever, but you put yourself back in that time. It was a different place and it was a different time to live. But the writers always still empower the females because who ends up looking like the idiots? The men. That's true. So That's true. I have to be, you know, and kudos to the writers because you know, they still give the women the power. Um, I but I also think you have to look at the simple fact that, um, okay, I know that they did it in a, a broadly comedy sense, but when Darren, you know, when all of a sudden Darren started experiencing what pregnancy is like and he gets a fast forward version of it sort yeah. of thing and the big is like my mother said if men had children there'd be no children born in the world that's right and, yeah. it, and it does and it does point that thing through and even when even the um coda would Andorra talks to the drunk next to it that Darren was talking to and you know and he she does the spell to him and all of a sudden it's like yeah you know yeah. And I thought I thought for for a comedy for a comedy um sitcom episode I think they handled things very, very well. And I they, they did, did give it a, they did give it a nice little spin to it. Right. They had a great message. I, I just wanted to point out about him being emotional. As soon as I had um, given birth to my first son, I saw a new I saw I was watching the news and that was when Eastern Airlines was going to close down. So they had all the employees standing there and the guy making the announcement that we're going to be closing Eastern Airlines. And I just started crying. I go, that is so sad. Look at those. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't stop crying about Eastern Airlines. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's funny because you don't know what's going to make you get emotional sometimes. I know, it really it does. struck me. It just really hit me hard. I was like, oh, those poor people. You know, it was sad, actually. Yeah. They did lose their jobs and their retirements and everything. Yeah, it was very sad. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I have to then say that Endora looks really good in the, in the way they got her dressed. In the I think she's so I know. classy. I think they're her real close to, because remember we did talk about earlier, they did have them. I don't know for how long this carried on, but they did bring their own clothes. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if those were all hers. Cause she, all, she, she's the one character that is so consistent with her sense of style that I think they might be her, her Louise own wardrobe. Louise doesn't dress like a slob either though. Louise looks really good mm-hmm. when she's on. I mean, back then everybody dressed up to go to lunch. Everybody dressed up to get on a plane exactly. or go on a car ride. It's like, you know, I just, well, I mean, did they though? I mean, I don't know because the thing is, I know because I know we have we have the Hollywood. Okay, let's put it this way: like people in this country think all America are rich and they all live in these huge, great big houses because this yeah. is what they see on television. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, even though even though our films and our television shows this kind of lifestyle, I wonder what the reality was because let's be honest. Jeans were selling very well at this time period. So they're probably so living like Rosie and Barr, like that we yeah, are now. Um, who's even wearing jeans? <laughs> I know. Rosie and Barr. That's more likely. Like a bum for the last year. <laughs> that's like when we were in Thailand a couple of years back. People were asking us, like, they think everybody in America lives this really rich lifestyle. They watch Falcon Crest, Dallas, uh, Knots Landing. Um, but what's but the even dynasty? But, but not, not even that, um, Vicky. If you even look at shows like Family Ties, Friends, you know, I mean, All Friends, that, those, yeah. there's no way that those people will be able to afford that apartment. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's no, not reality. No. You know, um, and I tell people, I go, if you want to see a real American, you want to see a television version of it, a comedy version of TV, what real America is like, watch Roseanne, because most exactly. people are that. <laughs> so I think. That's, that's true. All in the family. Totally true. All the family, yeah. Like, that's rather... I mean, they showed at least their lifestyle. I think they portrayed God, it. Pretty- bonka. Well, that's just well even Soap had more of a reality spin to it, the TV series Soap, um, with as far as the Campbells, the, side, yeah. uh, the normal side. Not, well, not the normal yeah, there side, you go, right the, there. The Campbells versus the, the children. <laughs> Live it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're all a bit mad. So, but I mean, uh, you know, in, you know, 60, I mean, but reality didn't really seep into films and television until about 1968, 69. And then mm-hmm. that's when things started changing. And then, as you know, that's when Hollywood broke up as well. And then, and then you had things like Easy Rider and, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and all these gritty films coming through. And all of a sudden you started seeing people like normal people. This is what normal people, you know, look like or act like or dress like sort of thing. And it kind of it looked like it happened overnight. So basically, if everyone did dress this way, obviously they would have this like this nice little calming flow that you wouldn't see the change happening. It would just like happen gradually, but it kind of like happened overnight when <laughs> everything changed as far as who owned what companies and stuff like that. When that all right. broke, so yeah, I like to think that it was like this that everyone dressed. I mean, you know, but I mean, then again, I mean, as far as the men are concerned, I mean, you know, when you look at Bewitched. He's very rare that you see Darren with a day off. He's always in the office, so he would be wearing a suit. But right. Samantha, if you look at the way that she dresses when she's cleaning the house and stuff like that, that's probably more of a realistic way where right. she how she used to hang around. And I imagine that when she went to the store, she just put over that great big overcoat that she always they, they always throw over. Right. 
Yeah, I don't know. Anybody gets dressed up to go to the grocery store. There are people out there that are strange and probably no. do so, and I apologize you, for offending you. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that Walmart website where they collect like the worst people that go to Walmart in the strangest, grossest attire? It's horrible. Right down the street it, for me. alarming. <laughs> <laughs> that, there's something about Walmart because you almost never see that in Target, okay? Almost never. Right. I have two uh, things. Well, I mean... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, Walmart's like a, you know, it's yeah. like a common meeting place, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the town square. <laughs> yeah. It's just sad that they're, I mean, it's sad that people, you know, mock people on Walmart. I mean, those people are just. I really, I don't because I go in there practically in my pajamas. So. Right. But I have to say, when I went to India, when my son was two, my husband's from India, and we went to visit, and his grandmother didn't speak any English, but we had to rush to watch Santa Barbara on TV. I mean, it was uh, in English. <laughs> I forgot about that soap opera. She didn't speak English, but she, she had to watch that show. I mean, we were just, I don't know, maybe she's excited that my name was Barbara, too, but we um, <laughs> had to rush and watch that show. And then I have another power of television show, and it's also about India, but my husband's grandparents were the first people to get a TV, okay, at, at the time. And so what they would do is I Love Lucy would come on in the afternoon. And I mean, it was already 20 years old reruns, you know. Right. At a four o'clock or whatever time it was, they would open the curtains. They would open the window. All the poor people, all the people who didn't have a TV would go stand in the window. And you could hear them yelling down the street, Lucy, Lucy, Lucy. None of them spoke English, right? But they'd watch this 20-year-old show through the window and someone, and they'd laugh their heads off because it was so physical, right? And I mean... You know, they could have been having, you know, these were very poor people with, with bad lives. And yet they got a laugh and they, you know, they couldn't wait to come see I Love Lucy in a language they didn't speak. <laughs> and yet it made them laugh. Their heads I mean, off. it's amazing when you go to like Europe or wherever you go in the world, how far American television and films have infiltrated every single Aspect. You go to every you single want. aspect of life in the world. You can go to the Congo and they'll know American programming there, which sure. is kind of bizarre. Well, on the Friends reunion show they just had on on wherever it was HBO, they showed clips from people in different countries all over the world saying what Friends meant to them, and some of them were like, "I was so depressed," and and I watched this, and it made me feel like I had friends, and it made me laugh, and it was just a lifesaver, and. It was unbelievable. It's been watched a billion times. It's like amazing. So yes, very influential. Yeah, that was an impact. A lot of, that show. A lot of people. I know a lot of people. I didn't really watch it, but I know a lot of people that do, and they were just so ecstatic over the the get together reunion. It was my happy place during the pandemic. I gotta say, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, we interviewed um, Elizabeth J- Daly, Ed Daly, um, yeah. who will be her interview will be coming on our coming up in the next couple months. And she was with Phoebe's best friend and she did Smelly yeah. Cat with Phoebe. Yeah. <laughs> How fun is that? This brings us to episode number three called We're In For A Bad Spell. Salem witch trial judge descendant Adam Mularkin, played by William Redfield, an old army friend of Darren is doomed to be a thief unless Samantha and Darren can find a way to lift a 300-year-old spell. The problem is, how will Darren, Samantha, and Aunt Clara get Adam to do the trivirate of unusual tasks required within one day for the hex to be neutralized? 
Richard X. Slattery appears as Detective Pearson, and Bartlett Robinson appears as Mr. Al Barcombe, the bank manager. And Jesse, what are your thoughts on this episode? This episode was hysterical. <laughs> it's probably one of the funniest episodes of Bewitched that I've seen because it is so over the top and I don't even know how to describe it in words, but it's just so funny, like the different lengths that they go to get um, everything done that they need with this guy. And he's totally just oblivious to it up until the very last moment when they finally let him in on their little secret about what's going on. But it's so it's so funny. It's ridiculously funny but with all of the Salem, physical so comedy. He, he believed them because he's from Salem. So he I know which is so they funny. Save themselves a whole lot of grief if they just told him. Do you believe in witches? You're from Salem. <laughs> I was expecting the cat from Sabrina to come on and start making jokes too, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. This one was very physical comedy, you know, I mean, in the water and making him kiss a dog and whatever, you know, all the things that was all salad attacked him. The salad. Yeah. It was a very physical (laughs) one where you didn't even have to listen. You could turn the volume down and it would still be, yeah, the situations would be because, fun. Yeah. It. And then riding on the horse and, you know, just as part of the kind. best. Witches are that deer. Was, <laughs> that was the best. Oh, my gosh. I, I just was, I cracked up. I almost spit out my coffee because it was so funny. Yeah, it was very, very funny. And it was just silly. And, and, and the guy actually does get mad. I was going to point out that no one ever gets mad, really, you know, in these shows. It's like even when Darren's turned into a chimp, he doesn't seem all that mad about it, you know. But this guy's like, hey. Quit pushing me in the water. You know? I know. Yeah, I know he actually the called them out. He called them out, which is not something people are usually oblivious in these shows, and yeah. they don't know what's going on. But at least this guy called Darren out. <laughs> it would have been crazy. <laughs> which was also funny. Yeah, he would. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what's wrong with this guy? No one's <laughs> passive. <laughs> It just feels like this whole family's out to get him. The 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 grant no the aunt and then uh, Darren and then Samantha they're all just out to get him. Like why are you doing this to me? I know, poor guy. And then he, they get Aunt Claire to push him. <laughs> I know. Well, that's what I also like about this is that Aunt Clara for once is not the problem here. Aunt Clara's right. the solution. Yeah, and then and then then she gets <laughs> she gets involved, and I, nothing's nothing's better than when he comes in and um, Darren's dressed as George Washington, and he goes, he goes, yeah. and he goes I'm Whistler's mother, <laughs> with her blue eyeshadow. I know, but then he's 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 like he goes, you're going to a, a costume party at four thirty in the afternoon. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's when they start. <laughs> But there yeah, is a little guy, bit of a hole, a hole in this though, because the thing is, is like, you know, his boss, his new bank boss, sends him home on his first day because he's feeling ill, and then when they show up, you know, to look at the briefcase, it's like, where is he? <laughs> oh, we're going to a costume party. Like, and my boss is like, he went home sick. What's he going to a costume party? That's what a normal person would ask. <laughs> yeah, you have to suspend your disbelief way, way, way up there. <laughs> But I did like the idea that they brought sure. Salem into it. And then, you know, he goes, I'm from Salem. And, which is, you know, if you know the series as well as we do, we know that s- the Salem episodes of Bewitched are some of the best episodes that are coming a lot later. So right. it's quite good to hear that whole the whole Salem reference there. So I thought that was quite fun. So, that makes me want to go. But I, have, um, but yeah, I love Salem. It's good to see that. You know, I like that old book as well. And at the end, it's like, I love... 
I get no. This is where uh, sorry, Aunt Clara is actually polishing her doorknob. So she's polishing the doorknob, and the camera pans over to Samantha. And Samantha's like reading this really old book. Yeah, <laughs> and she says, "I'll call it up and like really reabsorbs." Like, God, I want to read that book. What else is in that book? You know, what did it just have people who were hexed or what? What else did it have in it? Did they say other? I like the last line where Darren's like. You know, is there a spell in there for me? You know, whatever. And she said, "You'll marry rich and live happily ever after." And he's, and it's like, does it really say that? No. How do you know? She goes, "Because I just know," or something. Because I'm a witch. I know these things. Yes, I'm a witch, and I know these things. But it was very cute. But then it did make you wonder, like, what does it really say in that book about Darren? (laughs) Exactly. I was actually kind of confused because there was this one part where she says it's written in red and white. And then Darren pauses, like, red and white. And then she says, it's thicker than ink. And I'm like, are they referring to actual blood here? What's going on? <laughs> I think that was the reference. She said it's thicker than water. No, thicker than ink. So I think that's what yeah. he was alluding blood, to. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was a little, that was a little, um, I don't know. I almost want to say risque for lack of a better word, but I don't know. I just thought it was very bizarre because they don't usually go in that direction for Bewitched. It was a little book. Well, I mean, there, but another thing is, there is a dark tone to this anyway. Look at the reason why he's hexed. It's because his ancestor burned witches. I mean, dunked her anyway. They didn't dunked her in the water three times and then burned her alive. That's the truth. We didn't burn here in the United States. We hung them and we did all kinds of unspeakables, but that one was burned here. No, no, they did something. They did some kind of almost worse. They put them. I know they used to put planks on them with stone. They did all kinds of horrible things to these people. No, they throw them in the water. And if you yeah. drowned, you're not a witch. If you float, if you floated, you were a witch, and then you have to find another way to kill you. Does that make it either way? No win situation. <laughs> no, they, if you confess, they let you go. They try to insinuate, but no. I don't yeah. know. I felt bad because most of these women were healers, and you know they they really, yeah. you know, it's just awful. If you just had common sense, you were a witch back then. If you didn't like somebody, you could just call them out, you know? Well, I was watching this that, documentary that, about Salem, oh, witch, the Salem Witch Trials, and they found out that it might have been that it was tainted yeast that made them all go a bit mad. Oh. Tainted yeast? I, oh. I saw a story where this, um, this was a true news story, where this family it was convinced they had ghosts in their house, that it was haunted, that there were chills, that they heard unexpected sounds, and it turned out they were they had carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> it was a leak. Oh, no. And they were all, like, hallucinating. That's and scary. that's what it was. Wow. Well, I mean, tainted yeast will make you um, hallucinate anyway. I sure. mean, they do, they do cut, you know, it's, it's, um, I think it is one of the equivalents in doing LSD. Right. Yeah. Sure. So, Who gets tainted so. yeast? What, does their bread go bad or something? Or Well, it's just basically you got to remember that in those days that basically everything was just kept in a barn sort of thing. It's not, right. you know, it's not, you, and I wasn't like it was today. Basically, you cut up everything, and then in the wintertime, you would hope that it didn't get moldy. Right. And if it did get moldy, you know, that's not including, that's not including the rodent piss and the rodent turning on it and everything like that. I know people, they always want to go back in time. I'd like to visit maybe for a day, but the hygiene is just a problem for me. If you go before toothpaste toothpaste, deodorant antibiotics, I'm not interested. (laughs) Well, you know, everyone smelled. Oof. I know they did. Yeah. We're talking about a time when we're talking about like you did a yearly bath. 
Yeah, yeah. a yearly bath. Brides, June brides took a bath for their wedding. That was it. I just can't yeah. imagine. I just, I go, I just could. I ain't going that one day. Of... I think that's... Oh, I can't wait to get married so I can actually have a bath for once. <laughs> hey, <laughs> go me. I think they thought it was bad for you to be too much. Well, that's another thing. Like when they do those bodice rippers, you know, from like, you know, you know, from anywhere from the 1900s back and then do bodice rippers and they're like, they're all intimate. And it's like, these people haven't bathed for like three or four months and they're being no. intimate with each other. <laughs> that's the reality. Yeah. Just, they said um, that's about Queen Elizabeth back, you know, when, you know, Elizabeth Tudor, her, they used to have to clean her stuff. And I guess all of her clothes were like, you know. Well, really you wore the same But you didn't want to tell her they were rancid because she'd do something to you. And the reason why in modern, the reason why in port, uh, portraits of page, people that you see, the reason why they're not smiling is most of them don't have teeth. Right. That's just gross. <laughs> I mean, no. there's a comedy duo in this country called uh, French and Saunders, and they're really, really funny. Jennifer Saunders, uh, Jennifer Saunders is going to do absolutely fabulous. And Donald oh, Frank with Victor and Dibley. But they were a comedy duo to begin with. And they would do this thing about um, in, old, in old England times, and then all the teeth be there, and they'll be like, and all they have like pox and stuff, you know, because that's the way they really look. No one had clear complexions or anything. You just, I mean, if you live past you know, 30 or 40, you were, it was a, you were an old person. I mean, if you yeah. weren't married by, by 13, you, were, I mean, you weren't married by six or an old maid. So when you see Pride you and watched- Prejudice, those people, those, those people are only supposed to be like in like thir- between 13 and 16 yeah. <laughs> in reality. Yeah. I just watched a really good show um, called Taboo with um, Tom Hardy. And that's like the one period piece that I've watched where everyone, even rich people have like bad teeth and like the weird skin because they had different skin um, issues back then, you know, because people didn't shower and then they were using different weird products on themselves and then the wigs. Yeah. So it's like the only show I've seen where they even do that to the rich people. They don't make everyone look manicured and perfect. And, you know, like they're from the Regency period where everyone took showers all the time, this period that didn't even exist, but it, it it's a really good show aside from that. But I thought even those small little details were really, it kind of, it made it feel like the era that they were trying to depict and which I thought was really cool. Um, Cause everyone had bad teeth. It was almost, like they were genuine weird dental problems that these people yeah, had because um, even the rich people had them it was so bad yeah, well, they didn't they have face. Yeah. I, wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to follow the movie and just be obsessed with everyone's teeth right i mean i was i was kind of focused on little details like that because it's like how can you not be everyone looks gross <laughs> i don't want to be distracted by that yeah, well, I mean, wasn't like in, in it wasn't the 1920s they realized that you could actually use baking soda, and that's what started toothpaste. Is you can actually use baking soda for your teeth, and they would like put a little drop of like spearmint or oil or something in it to give it. Well, if you something. chewed on peppermint and stuff like that back then, it would still help. though you can chew on as much peppermint when your teeth are rotted. That's not going to help a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just going to smell like garbage. It's not like gargling with a bottle of Listerine now, is it? <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up. That's going to bug me now. They must have done something. I don't know. How do we get off on these tangents? How did we get off on this tangent? Salem, Salem. Okay. But how, <laughs> where, where were we before that? Okay. We were the guy that they were trying to save from oh. that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, witches are good. Witches are, are kind. Witches no, are witches good. Are witches kind. are kind. Witches are kind. Yeah. 
Which Some is of them, which isn't true as, as a whole, but yeah. I guess generally, I uh, some of them are. Some of them aren't. Right. Think about the holes where that's the whole thing is about you're you're cursed by your ancestors' behavior and you have to undo it. That was the whole premise of that movie. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. I watch I it. There's a lot of truth to that as well. If you grew up in a town um, that your family never moves away from. You're basically, you know, if your parents do something bad, basically, you know, the kids are going to be cursed, and your kids are going to be cursed, and it's hard to break, you know, the curse with a bad family reputation. reputation. So, yeah, so there's a lot of truth to that. So, they say people in the Middle Ages considered healthy white teeth a sign of beauty and wrote of sweet smelling breath as a desirable attribute. So, they said. Not surprisingly, they have extensive evidence that people like to keep their teeth clean and a large amount of evidence of toothpaste and tooth powders and mouthwashes and treatments for halitosis. Yeah. I read some... Don't say what? Red Butler had very bad teeth. I mean, had very bad breath. Uh, I, I mean, Clark Gable, and that it was a very um, tough to make that those love scenes. <laughs> they said contrary oh, yeah, to the depiction of medieval peasants, they said they were shown with blackened and rotting teeth. The average person in the Middle Ages had teeth that were in very good condition because substantially one factor, the rarity of sugar in the diet. Oh, think about that, yeah. Yeah. And they said the rich people were the ones that had mo- the rotted teeth and the peasants were okay. <laughs> Rich people are the ones we're getting it. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, I'm probably going to read more about it when I'm done here. We learned so much. (laughs) (laughs) This brings us to episode number four. My grandson, the warlock. When Samantha's watching the tape's new baby, Gladys Kravitz makes an ill- formed comment to Morris who whisked his new grandson off onto London's Warlocks Club to begin his training. Samantha and Dora try to track down Morris and the baby. Darren has to stall Larry and Louise, who has just returned from London, who are anxious to see their son. Meanwhile, Morris becomes frustrated as his grandson shows no signs of having powers, especially as he shows off the baby to his friends. So, Barbara, what are your thoughts of this episode? I don't know. There was just no panic at all when that kid disappeared. But no Amber Alerts, nothing. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> I did like the father. He has a lot of, uh, you know, he's a, he's a character and he was pretty funny. Oh, he's cool. I like him. See him and Andorra getting married and getting divorced. They both have very strong personalities. Did they ever get divorced in the series? No, they, were they, they were divorced not. or were they living apart, Mary? Yeah, they're not together. Well. I, like, I mean, in the no, one- I think in Doris said they were divorced in season one. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. But she, um, you know, it was just, it was like, nobody's correcting, you know, anybody about this baby. So of course all this misunderstanding, I mean, it was really had to suspend some disbelief, but it was a cute episode That's for sure. <laughs> when the wife Tate, Mrs. Tate gets uh, a spell put on her and she just, Hey, let's just drink and party. I don't care. Oh, let's- I know. <laughs> yeah. We'll just check him in a minute, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I think the best part of it was. <laughs> well, Maurice was. I felt bad for him because he wanted so to have a grandson that was going to be able to perform in front of his friends. But that was that was a human child, wasn't it? So 
it wasn't going to happen for him. But it was a, it was a funny episode. I, I mean, how Darren is stalling everybody. So I, I mean, how Darren is stalling. There's very three stooges. It's kind of a weird episode, though, because why would he think Samantha would have her baby already? Oh, the grandfather, he didn't even know, he didn't know anything. I guess he just heard, like, I guess he thought he heard she was pregnant and he's, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, maybe witches have babies pretty fast. I have no idea. Maybe they have babies pretty fast. And and he was like, he probably, isn't he like a globetrotter? Yeah, he wasn't, in the <laughs> he wasn't in the loop at all. No, he wasn't in the loop. But I mean, this he- would have been, I mean, it's, it's one of those weird episodes that it, I mean, I like this episode, but if you look at it where it is in the series, it probably would be better like episode number 15, maybe, where she's been pregnant for a while and that she could be dropping at any moment. Possibly. But then, but not- then would, he wouldn't have assumed that was his baby because she'd have she'd be pregnant, right? So he had to be early in the pregnancy. Yeah. So, well, but yeah, even Gladys kind was of, looking out the window and spying on him, and then she was telling him that she, she'd gone and took off and then come back with a baby. So there's Gladys and abner going after it again sorry yeah I, mean, I, I, was, say that I, was, if, I was wondering how how simple gladys what yeah if i was going to uh, my friend's house and their next their neighbor was gladys kravitz and she came out and whatever she told me i probably wouldn't pay much attention to her <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly you would probably just think she was just <laughs> as much of a nut job as her husband i know <laughs> yeah uh, i was confused though as to how maurice thought that was their kid because i mean he's a warlock i've always assumed that they were supposed to intuitive yeah yeah, intuitive perceptive something because they're supernatural beings it's like how do you not know i mean even louise knew instantly that that was her son despite how well crazy that's different from a mother knowing you can't tell the mothers knowing their grandchildren that's totally different yeah but he's a warlock having her kid carried by her in london was pretty funny Right. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Well, I also think that I don't think that children really traveled on babies traveled in airlines at that that period either, did they? Well, I don't know. Did, did he go on airline or did he just cast a spell? <laughs> no, but what I'm sitting there saying is that because Louise and um, Larry are in London, so that's the reason why um, Samantha's taking care. Samantha and well, Darren are taking care quit, of the baby. Right? The nanny got but sick. But I remember like watching something. Um, recently and they're talking about going on airlines and how it used to be you know how it used to be so nice and so elegant and that you know there weren't children and babies on the wagon but yeah you know you paid so much for your price and how it was such and everyone looked beautiful and how it was a you know it was a big deal and that the number one i don't think I don't think they really let babies on airlines at that time. Because you always think, like, what's Larry and Louise doing in London without their baby? Yeah. I mean, the baby's not that old. Yeah, I wouldn't have left my newborn anyway. So, I mean, you definitely got TV artistic license going on. Because most women are not going to leave a, a young child like that. So, Well, I also know. But what I mean, Maybe if they're well-to-do. They don't care but about the kids as much. But I also heard that, like in the sixties and sixties, it's only up until like you know late eighties that basically children were actually allowed to, you know, yeah, a child had to be a certain age to fly. Yeah, because nothing was because the thing is, if you're paying, you know, the thing is, if you know, the ticket that you're paying for now to fly, let's say you're coming to London, you're paying about eight hundred pounds. Right. In this, in the seventies, that was three to five thousand pounds that ticket. You know, yeah. the thing is, they, the prices. Of, I mean, and, you're, and then you, you know, take the rate of inflation. 
so five or you know you know it was uh, something like you know two to two to five thousand pounds to fly yeah. in 1970 that is we're looking at like nine to ten thousand to fly in today's money oh, wow so i mean you know basically you know, that's the reason why you know it's a big thing and, and the reason why the babies weren't there because you're paying so much for a ticket that your flight shouldn't have to be interrupted by a screaming child and that's the reason why children of under a certain age were not allowed to fly yeah that makes sense well, that makes sense for back then. Well, that because, like I said, but people used to get dressed up to go on flights. They used to be fed well. I don't know how many of you have eaten on a plane lately, but yeah, it's got a lot to be desired. They don't even give you peanuts anymore. They give you this. They give you they, all this. Well, they can't give you peanuts. Up. They can't give you peanuts anymore. No. It's the law to give you peanuts on the airplane now. No, because they're nut allergies. Apparently, yeah. like if someone's well, nut allergy, nut, that's at the be- in first class at the first seat. And someone at the back of, cl- um, you know, the, the economy class in the back row smells that peanut. They're going to go into some kind of oh, shock. Oh, God, man. I, they didn't before. How did we get this know. bad? I don't know, if they, you know what's happened, but that's what happens now, apparently. Yeah, boy. I didn't know that. But, I mean, there isn't no, there really isn't, like, I don't think that there's really any I remember in the eighties, even service on the planes were better. And I always laugh because people are always asking what that thing is in the door. And I go, that's an ashtray. And that that gives you any idea how old that flipping plane is, right? That's a 50 year old plane. Easy. Mm. You know? Yeah. And I remember smoking in the back of the planes back in the day. <laughs> remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like can you imagine? Yeah. People, they, I can't well, because that- I was there. Sit the back. Well, of the do you plane. remember the stewardesses though? Like in the eighties, they'd like yeah. serve you, and they have like these great big oven gloves on, and they got the yep. and they're and they're, you know they're going down, they're shaking it on the plane, and they're giving, and then they and then they, what they do is they would drop the tray the tray of food in front of you, and then stop back like because it's supposed to be really hot, and then you touch it, be like ice cold, and you're yeah. like, what are you wearing the gloves for? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not about. Things have come a long <laughs> yeah. way, and then you got the, you have to fight to get the whole can of soda now. It's just like, really? I can't have the whole can? Can I just have it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get mostly ice and like a couple drops of soda. Mm-hmm. Then you got Spirit well, Airlines or Ryanair. Those are like two of the worst airlines ever. Ryanair well, I mean, is awful. I mean, another thing is that to be a stewardess or to work on a car, you have to look, look a certain way oh, yeah. as well. You had to be fit and everything, yeah. Right. And, and you can only do it to a certain age. And then when you got that age, you're without a job yeah but i was on a spirit flight before the pandemic and um i remember they're saying you know not to smoke or whatever and they said right. you know smoke alarms in the bathroom and the, and the, the flight attendant was really funny and he said so listen um the fine for smoking in the bathroom is a thousand dollars and let's be honest if you wanted to spend a thousand dollars to get to fort lauderdale you wouldn't be on spirit airlines <laughs> it was true it ain't that bad, but you know, it's it, it's definitely you get what you pay for. You yeah. know, yeah. they they muddle you in like cattle, but you get to your destination. You got to pay for everything on there, sure. and sometimes they won't even take your credit card. <laughs> it's like yay, Spirit Airlines. It reminds me. It reminds me of this scene from Last Holiday with Queen Latifah when she's trying to fly on a plane, and this guy is hefty in front of her and is like pushing his seat back and trying to make space for himself. And then she goes on a rant because she's just had it with her life and just decides to tell the stewardess in the, I don't know, whoever's involved in this scene 
um, what's on her mind and saying that they put the, the, the seats too close together because of the money and all that other stuff. And it is kind of, I mean, it's, it's always been like that. I don't think it's going to change. And like Vicky said, it's totally like, you know, a cattle car or whatever. And it's, it's not comfortable. It's not fun. Um, and like, I don't know why anyone would go dressed up to go on a, on a flight because i know i do and i always regret it because i'm soaked in sweat by the end of and it there's not enough space to like touch up exactly that you can't touch up uh or change or anything like that so you're just mm-hmm. stuck in your own sweat and by the end of it it's like you want to kiss the ground because of how exhausting some of these flights are depending on where you're going of course um because if you're just going like a couple hours it's fine i'm sure but if you're going on like really long trips in this tiny little area like i went to iceland and it was so uncomfortable to, to be on the plane for so long oh god and <laughs> Yeah, it's so bad. I, I don't I don't like it. I mean, I don't we have, have to, a fear we of have flying. To see, like, the only during thing. this time period, though, in, in air flight time, is that you actually, everyone had leg room. Even yeah, in the yeah. economy, you had leg room. But now, because... How, main, can you imagine main, how nice that would be? <laughs> but the thing is, is, in order for you to pay for the price of the ticket that you're paying at the moment, they have to have more people on the plane. So therefore, it gives you a lot less room than what now you Now there's premium there. economy, where they yeah, let you have your own bag. You get a bag. <laughs> And premium, you know, and you've got maybe this much room extra for your feet. Well, I mean, air travel, air travel is an important part of our lives now. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, if you think about it, you know, back, you know, back up until, you know, up, up until like, you know, the 1990 and before you very, people very rarely fly. Right. Now, I mean, to tell you what the difference is in price, I can fly to Glasgow or to Edinburgh from London and it's cheaper than taking a train. Yeah. yeah. You know, Your trains go, are so expensive over there. If I go to Manchester, the uh, the ticket costs me 140 pounds. I can go to I can go anywhere in Europe for 30 quid on a yeah. plane. Wow. So, yeah, that's so that tells you how you know the world has changed since yeah. you know bewitched in general. Well, like cruises, cruises used to be for rich people, and now you you know everybody goes on a cruise, and it's you know pretty nasty. <laughs> I have not been on. Yeah, I always wanted to go on a cruise, but I'm afraid that I tend to attract like really odd people whenever I'm traveling. It's like if they're if you're if you're weird and got some kind of mental problems, you're gonna be they're always like <laughs> sitting next to you and drawn to me. And I'm just afraid that that person is gonna be following me around on the boat the whole time, and you just can't get away from them. That's what bothered. That's what worries me about a cruise. Well, see, I wow. like vacation to get away from people, and you know, this is not the place to go to get away from. I mean, you've seen the company I keep. I mean, it's you know, it's true, <laughs> right, Vix? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna say. <laughs> no, That's but all serious, yeah. Part of me likes the idea of a cruise, but then a part of me is kind of a, appalled by it at the same time. It's kind of a, one a weird thing. Well, unless you like to really, really overeat and drink constantly, I mean, it's like you know, you can eat every minute of the day and hang out with people you don't know and um, gambling. I mean, see, like, I don't like none of that really grabs me. And, you know, getting in a pool with a bunch of strangers, uh, I just, you know, none of that was appealing at all. <laughs> yeah, see, that, that, that's, that's the part that I don't find appealing. What I do find appealing is, like, going, like, say, around the Caribbean where, you know, you can – I'm, I'm quite good at going around the Caribbean for, like, and spending, like, three or four hours on each island. I'm okay with that because I don't want to yeah. spend any more time on that. No, I mean, I'm not a standing, you know, lying on the sun sure. by the – by the you know sea kind of a guy either because i would be i can do it no problem <laughs> so, <laughs> so no it'd be good problem. like it'd be a good way to like you know 
island hop, I suppose. You know, yeah. and just see, you know, well, just, just sit there and just go around and do nothing and just float around with a bunch of other drunks. I mean, you know, probably would have been <laughs> when I was. <laughs> <laughs> But, no, in my luck, I'd be stuck on Gilligan's Island. Yeah, three hour. What? Yeah, but it was a three hour. Three tour. hour tour. They had so much baggage for a three hour tour, and they must have been loaded up with batteries for that radio. Let me tell you. Well, yeah. I mean, no, let's it, was, be honest. it was just a ginger tire. That's all. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, when I mean, you when you watch Gilligan's Island, she has one sparkly dress after another. Yeah, but if you watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, you know how much luggage those people take. <laughs> but they're not on a three-hour tour. <laughs> no, they're away for like one day. It's like and you'll see like Dorit with like twenty um bags. Like you're only away for a day. Where are you going? Oh, I never know what clothes I'm going to wear. It's like okay. Needless to say, they do track down the baby. Yes, yeah. they do. Give it to Larry and Louise after too much of Dar- Darren's trying to like. <laughs> making up excuses why he can't drive fast or what the heck was he doing that was humorous too i i liked watching that and it was so ridiculous kept kept opening the suitcase so it would spill out i was like i I was shocked that they didn't realize darren was up to something that something was wrong because on top of louise thinking that was her baby i would have thought something was wrong because like who does that? Like Larry knows Darren isn't that stupid or that clumsy. Like if he's not known for that, why wouldn't you suspect him? I know it was a comedy and you know, you're supposed to suspend your disbelief and all that stuff, but uh-huh. I mean, I, I'm surprised they didn't question it or anything. They did. Though. This is one of those episodes though, where you can tell that, you know, they've gone to a foreign country and you're like stuck in a studio somewhere in California. It had that feel to it as well. It's like yeah. London. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. And especially yeah. like you had a lot of Americans putting on English accents, which is always appalling. I'm sorry, it's just appalling. Yeah. I wouldn't try it. I don't I don't even try it. They all end up sounding like Madonna when she was living here for two weeks. It's like really? <laughs> it's like, what is that? Pretentious. But I did like I mean I mean to be honest, this it's a fun little episode, but this episode actually comes alive when Endora and Maurice butting heads thing being together and the, that's the best the thing about it is well to get yeah. butting heads. And you have to remember the two actors that are playing these two parts, you know, Morris Evans, who is an icon within himself, and Agnes Moorhead, who is an icon within himself. And he seemed like two old Hollywood actors butting heads. And this is what old act character actors are like. And that's what's I think that's the reason why they really come alive. Right. Because I mean Samantha, the fact that she never gets worried or upset or mad. I mean, in a way, I mean, it's, she's always pleasant, but it's kind of boring, and you know, as opposed to like, you need some kind of conflict. Yeah. It's, they provide the conflict. Well, she yeah, it would be nice to see, sometimes. but you it would be nice to see Elizabeth Montgomery lose her cool sometimes. And then like twitch her nose. Like they did that in the bewitched movie. And sometimes I'm like, it's satisfying to see Nicole Kidman do something that they never had Elizabeth yeah. Montgomery do, which was like, you know, when she makes Sheila die and then it's like, oh, maybe that was a bit harsh and then rewind time and then redo it a little less harsh. Um, I, yeah, I was but I think that. Samantha, she at least Samantha lose a cool and moral center though, isn't she? She's the moral Exactly. So it's, it's hard. So, yeah, that was more of the focus. We- and I think that you kind of, you know, whenever you have a sitcom or an, or any kind of, even if you're watching Little House on the Prairie, Laura Ingalls was the moral center of yeah. these, or no matter what you have, you have to have a moral center. Mm, supposedly. 
Every, every I think TV it was more Michael Landon more than anything else. But I'm sitting there saying that every TV show that you have, you have to have one character who's the moral center. And no matter yeah. what, doesn't even if you're watching Supernatural or you're watching a you know American Horror Story or whatever, you do have someone who's the moral center. Who has and a Samantha, moral center on American Horror Story? I was say in House of Cards, nobody has a moral center. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you do have the one who's kind of like you know the gravitational thing who you know has the who's actually the you know Samantha is basically the chess player. You know, she knows how yeah. to, you know she knows how to maneuver everyone around her for the different personalities and stuff. True, and she's she's like perfect to a T in that regard. I think the only time we see her kind of lose her cool is in the first episode or two. I for, I think it's the first episode where she makes like the the pea soup fly into Sheila's face, and then the door open and her wig fly out, and then her her zippers undressed. That's the only time you see her get revenge after getting like really pissed at someone other than that i don't think you see that after well, I, I didn't really think about it now, but... though, because she does she does get a revenge but she does it very subtly so it doesn't look bad on her i mean if you look at the next door neighbors when Darren yeah. was sort of things and or whatever happened because she does look like you know, but the thing is she knows how to maneuver things so they work in her favor at the end of the day so there is a passive aggressiveness to samantha really if you think about it yeah you know she makes sure that she always comes across in a good light. And even if she, even if she's done something wrong, she makes sure that when she does fix it, she comes across, she comes along glowing. You know, she's, she, she, you know, oh, I made a mistake, but don't worry. I'm anti-cute and I'm anti-precious. And I, <laughs> so there is that about Samantha. So there is a kind of a, you know. Uh, they had a, the two neighbors, the women, what were their, their last names? Pleasure? Pleasure? Pleasure, Pleasure O'Reilly. O'Reilly. Pleasure O'Reilly. O'Reilly. And what like was the other Irish, one? Danger, danger, danger O'Reilly. O'Reilly. <laughs> Pleasure <laughs> and danger. <laughs> if that wasn't you know, it's loaded, weird to I say, don't know what is. Huh? It's weird to say, but this show kind of, rem- it, it, it makes me understand the idea behind passive aggressiveness. <laughs> um, I don't know if that makes sense, but like if you think about certain situations and you're, being in a situation where you're unable to express yourself in an honest way because of the potential aftermath or I don't know, negative consequences. I can see why people might use passive aggressiveness as a way to get what they want done without actually going out and doing it in a, in an open and honest way, I guess that's the best way to put it. It's important to have a character like that because if everyone was, you know, if we, if let's say they were going to put this to, to the form, and I mean, if you didn't have that, basically, basically, you just have a show that's just pandemonium anyway, that nothing would ever get resolved and everything would just get worse and worse and worse and worse. So you need someone who can actually draw everything back and and make sure that they can work to everyone's weaknesses and strength and someone who can maneuver everyone because she maneuvers Darren, even the Kravitz. I mean, she, Samantha's a bit, I mean, if you think about it, Samantha's a bit of a bully as well. Look at the way she treats um, Gladys Kravitz, making her think that she's going mentally ill. Yeah. I, mean, I, know, I, I do think <laughs> they don't ever show sometimes, any remorse for that poor woman at all. Yeah, sometimes when I see that because she's aware of the perceptions that people have of her, like her husband and Darren, sometimes she will use her as a scapegoat. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Kind of That's kind of low for you, for Samantha. <laughs> I, mean, I do too, you know, especially when she never. There's never anything, no, no explanation like, oh, Darren, I did that. I'm sorry, or anything like that. It's just, I don't know. That's just, 
it's a little harsh to do that. <laughs> it's a little mean spirited. It is mean spirited. Exactly. Because she's the punching bag. She's the butt of every joke. Yeah. Kind of. Or Darren is, because they always do stuff. And it, it do, I think I think what makes it bad for someone like Samantha to do that is because it makes her come off as a hypocrite for being the moral center and usually trying to do the right thing at all times. And that's the one time when she kind of sometimes fails to do so. I don't know how often she does that or how often she'll continue to do that. Um, but I did notice that like a few episodes ago um, when we were doing that, when there was, I think she was trying to hang up a picture with her magic and Gladys Kravitz just comes waltzing in or something. And I think she tries to make it sound like she's crazy and wasn't actually using her magic to do that. And that she even tried to manipulate Gladys into thinking that she was the one doing it by using her ESP. And that was just crazy. And then it was totally Samantha's fault that she went out in the rain and convinced herself that she could stop the rain and all that stuff. So that was, I think that was an episode where they really dragged that point out. Right. Um, to where she even believed that she was crazy. And I'm like, how can you do that? That is so immoral. <laughs> but then again, but then if you want to turn this on its head slightly more, if Gladys wasn't such a busybody and sticking her nose in other people's business and looking through people's windows, she might not be going, you know, you might not have to do I this with her. If she minded she, her I own business and was a good neighbor, said that was part of the reason. Are, it'd be the difference. It'd be a totally different relationship. Yeah, that's true. I think that was part of the reason why she did it. If I remember correctly. Um, I think she mentioned something along those lines. Yeah. Well, Gladys never learns. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> well, she, she wants some kind of, what's the word? She wants some kind of vindication, the poor thing. I mean, because she's really actually seeing this and it just like mm-hmm. Abner doesn't, you know, Abner is Abner. I mean, he's a lump. <laughs> he just doesn't. He, he Abner really just- yeah, but you know, but let, let's turn this on his head about Abner a little bit. Okay. Now picture you're living with someone. They're saying that they're seeing all these things all the time and they're going overly hyper, hyper about it. And her right? medicine. What is and, it then, and then when you get up and you go to look at what's going on, you see nothing ever. Right. And you know, you must sit there and go, the baby, the best thing to do is I'm going to sit here and read my newspaper and try to ignore her because she's going crazy. What am I going to do? And she's I'm, going senile or having some kind of dementia or some kind of psych, psych, you know, psychological breakdown. Because <laughs> that's what you would think. Medicine. Yeah, she's got to take her medicine. I'm often wondering what that syrup is. It's some kind of high octane alcohol kind of, you know. Exactly. I was just about to say that's probably mostly what it is. It's some kind of sedative alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't approve of her snooping all the time either. So, you know, she kind of gets what she deserves, I guess, in his mind. And I, we've had neighbors like that in other neighborhoods I've lived. And there was one, we called her Gladys. She ah! literally, it's like this. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got, there's one in every neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. They call themselves Crime Watch. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. <laughs> we, we call ours the neighborhood witch. <laughs> We have one that basically, like, no matter what time of day you go outside, she's always washing the dishes in the, in the sinks in front of the window. Oh, you told me like, that. You go at two o'clock in the morning and she's washing dishes. I don't know what she's washing. I mean, her wow. hands have no skin on them. I don't know. It's so maybe, maybe it's not dishes. It's so many children. That's an insane, though. She can't, but these kind of people are the reasons why you don't get broken into. Yeah, that's true too. So, you know, there there is a good side and a bad side to that yeah. kind of situation. But we do call her the neighbor instead of neighborhood watch, the neighborhood witch. That's the neighborhood witch sort of thing. So it's Gladys. 
Well, this brings us to where we discuss who our favorite character of these four episodes is and who our least favorite character is. Starting with you, Vicky. Who's your, because Vicky loves this side of it. Who's your favorite character of these four episodes and your least favorite character? God, my least favorite character. Well, and it's not their fault because they really weren't, didn't have a big part in it. It's when the police come. Because that that one um, I was playing officer, he's played on other movies as like the hardcore gumshoe kind of thing i believe i've seen them elsewhere but they they're just kind of you know don't have much going on everybody else seemed to have like a good script to work with they're just they had the little bitty parts but as far as the main characters um darren for one especially when they you know where he gets upset about being turned into a chimpanzee because I just think it was funny. Well, actually, it was the chimpanzee I liked. I'll, let's put it that way. Because the chimp did a great job acting, you know, when you think about it. Because that, that you didn't really see that happen back then too much. Wasn't like I Dream of Genie and, and these shows and like Gilligan's Island. They started bringing animals onto them, you know. Yeah. You never really saw that prior to that other than Mr. Ed, maybe, with the talking horse. But... I don't, I know. I, I got a kick out. Yeah, I love Mr. Ed. I got a kick out of all these episodes. Actually, it's kind of hard to say one against the other. But my favorite episode would We're have to be characters. Huh? Your favorite character and least favorite character. Oh, I could do my episode. You always do this to me. I get so blindsided by these, and I know you're going to do it to me every time we talk. But my favorite characters would. Um, it's going to be. Uh, oh, Aunt Clara. Aunt Clara. Because she finally, you know, she didn't do anything wrong in at least one of these episodes. And she was the the uh, the catalyst for finding a way to fix things. Um, I guess maybe as far well, maybe not the police officers, but the guy. What, what was the, the man's name that played in the episode where he was the one getting victimized with the hex? The Salem. He, 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 he seemed like a really nice kind of person, but he kind of. I don't know. There was something about Lots his acting. Some luster. Yeah, maybe ineffectual. I don't know. Um, I'm not. It's, it's not like Doctor Bombay or something like that's on the show. But I mean, it seemed like he was kind of even almost overacting. I don't know. It was. It wasn't what I was used to seeing. You know, the previous season of people that were being paraded through that that were actors. Because as far as character actors, I mean, they really get some good ones. But there was something about him just didn't quite sync with me. And as always, if you don't love Aunt Clara, then there's just something wrong with you because she's she's just a pleasure to watch in any episode. But other than that, that's all I got for that one. What about yourself? Who's your favorite character this this block and your least favorite character? Who me? Or just yeah. Oh, I you know, Endora's just the most interesting. She's always unexpected. She's always snarky. She's just fun. She's fun. She it's great she's, script. That's yeah. I love Endora. And Larry Tate just bugs me. I don't know. He's annoying. I think he's written that way. He's just. I know he is. He is. But he's so annoying. No boundaries. No, no, no manners. Right. Very demanding. I'm having dinner at your house tonight. I mean, it just. I know. Can can Sam cook for nine people? Yeah. yeah. Very, very (laughs) imposing. Yeah. So he pisses me off a lot. I just. I I don't like to watch him. I always know he's going to do something annoying. But um, yeah, Endora is always fun. I like Endora. And what about yourself, Jess? Who's your favorite character and least favorite character of this block? 
Well, I was also going to Sandora because I I like some fun new sides that you get to see of her in the episode where um Darren's transformed into the monkey and she's a baby talking Such at him. A wise I just ass very... in that episode. I know it's so <laughs> much fun. She gets to play with a docile kind of vulnerable Darren as a monkey. <laughs> I mean, how much better can I get? Um, so. I don't know. I liked seeing her again. And I, I do like the direction where there's where she's not always showing up in her witch pajamas. Now she's actually wearing like normal clothes now, um, which is, yeah, which I, I, I like that too. I don't know why, but it's such like a, that minor change is, I don't know, speaks volumes or something. It, it does something for the character. And uh, my least yeah. favorite, I would either say, the guy that Vicky mentioned, I forget his name as well, or there was this witch character that was in London, this lady at when Maurice brought the baby, the one with um, the she just too? kept saying, Oh, it was such a cute baby. And it was yeah. like, I yeah, think she so. was it like, reminded me of like one of those like dolls. She was like the tavern slut. Or reminded- <laughs> yes. <laughs> something. And she, she kept repeating that. Like one of those vintage dolls that you press the stomach and they just repeat the one catchphrase yeah. that's recorded yeah, in there. And I'm like, geez, you just said that. Why are you saying it again? It's so weird. <laughs> just the way she said it, it sounded so fake and stupid. So I would, I would probably say her just because it was so not fitting and weird. <laughs> Now, my favorite character has to be Aunt Clara. And the reason why I like Aunt Clara, and I always like the episodes with her, because there is such heart, emotion, and warmth in Aunt Clara. And even though, I mean, you know, she's Everybody suffering from dementia. One. That's what basically what, what we got here. But it's all done with such loving. And, and the thing is, is that Aunt Clara, even when she messes up, she never plays the, there's never the victimization of it. She's always like, I'll try to make it better. And, and there's such a loving quality about that actress anyway. And, um, and it does explain that when the actress dies in real life, that Aunt Clara dies on Bewitched. You know, they bring in, you know, Alice Ghostly to play another aunt, which is not won't have the same effect. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I don't think there's anyone that can ever equal that character. No. If I was going to come to a close second, I think Endora really shines in this block as well. Um, it's a very huge. She always shine. shines, though. That just goes without saying with Endora. And I have to be a bit like. Um, I think Larry Tate or David White plays the character very, very well. But in this block, there's a lot that really irritates me. It's his idea about how he treats his wife is kind of odd, you know, like about yeah. you know, Louise, you know, Louise Tate and about, you know, what what he did to her when she was pregnant. And it's kind of like, and you're just kind of like, and there's this chauvinistic he kind breaks of about it, yeah. that, that comes through him. And sometimes it can be, you know, it's like, okay, I know it. You know, he becomes the antagonist that gets the story moving or whatever like this or changes things to get the story going. But sometimes there's a heavy handedness to it that in a today's audience watching it is kind of there's a, sometimes the insensitive. There's some uncomfortability about the, the, what he thinks sort of thing. And, you know, but, yeah. I mean, I know the womenizing thing. I can take that and I really can just throw it something like that. But mainly it's the way that he treats his wife that kind of really annoying you know, I would have divorced like, his ass. I, I don't know why Louise stays with him. Tell you the truth, it's like well, another thing. And the thing is, I guess the problem basically is, is that if Louise was kind of like a simpleton or something like that, but Louise's character is a very strong character, yeah, and she's very she's strongly sharp, written, she's and bright, she's a woman she's that's beautiful. very, very 
very very aware of who she is and what what her role is and you know she's a modern day 1965 woman sort of thing as far as her ideas and concerned so she's more than a housewife so it does seem a bit weird that she does put up with this behavior so and and the thing is is normally larry tate i can like take with a bit of salt i don't really take much but in this i have to then say that you know with the pregnancy of samantha in the second episode and then when we get you know the the you know the way he's treating louise and the baby and like you know and his son and he kind of there's just something a bit uncomfortable about that character this time around in this block at least yeah. so well, you got hard, a pregnant you wife you're just like don't do anything for her you know that's just insensitive because you really are uncomfortable when you're pregnant i don't care what anybody says you're uncomfortable yeah. it's not well i think i think what's i think what might have been funny in a 1965 setting and now it's just annoying and yeah. watching it with modern Maybe. eyes so. we, 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 baby if you were my husband, I would have thrown up on his shoes. <laughs> when I was pregnant, I'd have done it just because he yeah. was. And to be honest, there, I think <laughs> there's a bit of there's a bit of emotional abuse going on there as well with Larry sometimes. Yeah, you know, and he's a bully as well. I mean, he bullies Darren all the time. Well, and that's what I don't. Yeah, and he. Yeah. Yeah, and he gets he gets Darren to engage in this kind of behavior. But on top of that, because I think he's, you know, a working partner. With Larry, Darren well, not even also puts up with it, but some part of me wonders if he's even aware of the fact. Yeah, Wait, but Darren, I mean, you get, Darren's you get not the even sense a partner. That they're Darren, supposed Darren, to be like an it's McMahon and Tate. Yeah. It's not McMahon and Tate. Yeah. Yeah. He, holds, yeah. he, holds that, he holds that over Darren's head through. I know through the whole, he is kind of a one sh- of the so, one of the. Like, oh, um, well, when Larry, when Larry, so the their friend is kind of amazing. Yeah, when Larry convinces Darren to treat to treat his wife badly, um, it it takes me back to Dorian Gray, where he's manipulated by that other guy, like telling him, this is <laughs> "Yeah, <cool."> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like no, it's not cool at all." Yeah, and it's like Darren's already uh, Darren already is kind of a jerk to Samantha. You know, once in a while he he shows that side of him, and then when the one time he's being nice and you're kind of glad about it, even if he is going a little, little overboard rather than rein it in a little bit, he just turns pure ass and starts doing that in front of Endora. And it's like, Oh gee whiz, you just totally contradicted everything that Samantha said and make it sound like she's just telling tall tales to her mother to appease her or something. But at the end and it was of the so day, irritating. Though, it's like, Oh, come always, on. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the women are always in charge. They, they always seem to, yeah. Well, the roost eventually. They pull the strings. They pull the strings. Oh yeah, I was, I was going to mention earlier. Like, I, I guess we were talking about the episode where Darren experiences the feeling of being pregnant mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and even though we know that was written by, you know, you could tell it was written by a man. There is an aspect where none of the women are acting like that. So I guess it does kind of. Um, I, I feel. I feel like that was intentional. Like the men feel this way about pregnancy. So the men experience that, but then the, Samantha is currently pregnant, doesn't experience or act that way at all. So I think they do kind of have that respect for the woman there in a more subtle way, but you you kind of have to think about it because Samantha didn't act like that. And um, she was still kind of like able to do normal things, wanted to do the normal routine that she was used to and didn't really want Darren's mm-hmm. help. Um, or need it. She, so I do kind of appreciate that they did that, that she wasn't acting like that character that they always want to throw on sure. the woman. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool, but they did act 
they did have Darren act like a total buffoon while feeling pregnant, which I thought was funny. And then when and Dora popped in at the bar and made that guy pregnant, that, that was, was also classic. amazing. Have you all ever seen <laughs> so much seen, fun like, episodes of stuff where these they hook men up to electrodes and they turn them up to like what I've seen that. Like I would I've like to do that. that to so many people. Just hook them up and just you know how the contractions because. You can't even describe it. So, you know, show a little respect. (laughs) It hurts. (laughs) And have them walk around with, you know, a 40 pounds, you know, in in, uh, belly strapped on. That's heartburn. Yeah. Heartburn. (laughs) Constipation. (laughs) Squeezing out a grapefruit grapefruit the size of a lemon. So that brings us to what our favorite episode of this block is and our least favorite episode. Starting with you, Jesse. Who what's your favorite episode of this block and your least favorite episode of this block? Oh dang. <laughs> that one's gonna be hard because I kind of liked all of these. <laughs> My least favorite. Maybe I'll start with that one. I hate it when he does that. Um I don't hardly ever have a least favorite yeah. every once in a while. This one I'm struggling with because I kind of liked all of these. Um, hmm. Find something you didn't like about the one episode. There you go. You know what? I think I think my least favorite is probably the one where uh, the Tate baby goes missing. Because I, I don't know. I felt like that one somehow had weak points. I can't quite put my finger on why or what that is, but... There was something about it that didn't feel as fluid or as um, fun as the rest of them. Even though it was still a fun, good episode, I felt like that was a little weaker. My favorite might be... <laughs> hmm. Specific favorite. Maybe maybe the first one? I, it was either that one or the... What is the one... Uh, with the the with the guy with the spell on him that they have to push him in the water. What, what episode is that? We're in for a bad spell. Yeah, bad spell. I, I feel like it's a tie. It's a tie between that one and the monkey one. I, I really liked those episodes. And what about yourself, Vix? It'd have to be the first one with the wedding anniversary and and how they turned uh, Darren into a chimpanzee. And I think I, I got such a kick out of this watching him, you know, going through the female hormone overload. And when they got to the lunch part about the pickle. I really literally was dying this morning watching that part because this, this, I like the, I, I, Dick Sargent, is it this, this, this is Dick York. When Dick Sargent takes over later, he just doesn't have the same good fits that Dick York does because Dick York gets said a whole lot better than the other, you know, that comes after him. That I just, I just like watching him get upset. He's just funny. And that's my least, my least favorite is I'm going to have to go with Jesse on that is probably, um, my grandson, the warlock, not that it was really that bad, but Larry was irritating as y'all brought up. And there was just, uh, I don't know, the lack of sensitivity to Louise. That's kind of, kind of, that kind of makes me sad a little bit, but uh, it just wasn't as funny, I guess, as the others. But I mean, I wouldn't say it was awful, but it wasn't out of this block. My favorite. What about yourself, Barbara? What's your um, favorite and least favorite? I love the chimp one, of course. Alias Darren Stevens. That was my favorite. And um, 
I have to go with the other with everybody else. I did not like the um, where the baby goes missing. I, I had a kid wander off in a, in a department store. And it's I not funny. Heart it's, it gives you a heart attack, doesn't it? You're terrified. <laughs> thinking about it makes me hyperventilate. I mean, I yeah. I don't find that humorous at all. When I get not in this day and age, no, 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 no. I don't think I would have ever, you know, ever thought it was humorous. And yes, they knew that who had the baby and all, but they were just very cavalier about the whole thing. And just, yeah. They really were. When you think about it, I mean, really as a mom, you're just going to lose your shit. If you're rating, I was just like, Oh, sure. The baby's just gone. Okay. You know, especially with the kids, like you take them to a department store or whatever, and they go and hide under the clothing somewhere. That's and- what happened. My kid was hiding. And I was, you know, when we finally found him, I was like, you got lost. And he goes, and he goes, no, you got lost. Oh, <laughs> that's what I'd be taking, squirting him to the bathroom and have a meeting with Jesus. That's what that happens. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's a good one. No, it's never his fault. So it's like, no, you got lost. I go, okay, I got lost, whatever. But still, it's a terrifying thing. And it, it is terrifying. Imagine it ever being funny. <laughs> Now, my favorite episode has to be a very special delivery. Um, the reason why I like this one a lot is only because um, I have to say we're in for a bad spell made me laugh the most. I, mean, I actually was like chuckling, laughing out loud. It was funny. But what I, I tend to go for ones that have a little bit of heart and meaning. And that when I watch, I've actually noticed a lot of undertones are going on that actually mean something. And I thought that the message that they were painting with a very special delivery did a very, very good job about it. And it actually gave, um, and it, show, it had a um, women empowerment feeling to the um, episode that you don't normally get in this kind of episode. You normally get the female characters are always strong. And as my grandmother always said, the man may be the head of the family, but the woman's the neck and they can turn the head any way they want to. So, you know, but this one was a bit more about, um, and even though they did go a bit um, over, the, you know, over the top of the comedy, as far as, you know, the men um, getting all emotional and the pickle and the situation yeah, like that, but that the message that was going on behind it and it's the hidden and the, I watched this one twice and it's the little hidden things like, you know, as I said before, the, you know, the one, the, the book that Larry Tate reads about how, you know, how to treat a woman during pregnancy was written by a man. And there's all those exactly. little extra things that I found in this. And so there's a lot of different um, colorations and facets to this episode that I really, really liked, even though, you know, and I, and I have to sit there and say that Andorra overpowers and empowers this whole um, this whole episode as well, which is a really good, nice light on it. And basically, to the point that she's critical of Darren, and then um, and then proves her point. But at the same time, she doesn't start an argument or anything like that. She's like she's very very clever in the way to make Darren realize is like mm-hmm. this is you know this is what you need. Yeah. Uh-huh. To do. And I thought it was very, very intelligent the way this was put together. Sure. My least favorite has to be my grandson, the warlock. And the thing is, I'm a huge Planet of the Apes fan, and I love Morris Evans, and I love Morris Evans and Rosemary's Baby. And whenever Morris Evans comes on me, which I would, I love him. I think he's one, yeah. of, he's one of my favorite all-time actors. He's up there with George Saunders for me. But... I have to say that I thought that his role was kind of underwritten. There wasn't a lot of um, spark yes. with his character. Um, exactly. And I did. I love the little um, changing, but there would have been a lot more if it would, if you know, if Morris Evans just basically st- locked himself in a room with him and Endora. That would have been a lot more fun. And I think you know we yeah. get like two minutes of him and Endora spurring off with each other towards the end. And I, 
I think it could have been better written, sort of thing. I think it could have been a bit more clever. It's nope. kind of like, oh, yeah, we're going to throw this together. We got, we don't know what to do with um, Morris Evans. We got him coming in. What can we do? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do what a waste of talent, too. When they, well, they he doesn't. Get, he's he's supposed to be like. There's no interaction between him. Yeah, he's and supposed to be like the characters. grand character. Yeah. You know, we didn't get the. Exactly, like, it's so bizarre and. Yeah, yeah well, I, mean, gave, uh, like, I mean, when we first see him, we get the nice characterization between him and Endora. We get Samantha and him and the relationships there. And we don't, and basically we don't, so, you know, he's off on his own. He's basically doing the show on his own, basically. And then we got everyone else. Yeah, which is totally else. weird. It was so, weak. It was very weak. But yeah. yeah, he's interacting with characters that you're never going to see again. They're only there as like filler characters to show that he has a grandson. They're none of the normal witch characters that you usually see. Like when they come over to Samantha's house and interact with her and then Dora and Aunt Clara. It's just total a room full of strangers. And that's what he is interacting with. And he doesn't have the same role that Andorra has, where Andorra pops in every so often to say hello right. and interact with Darren and stuff. Like he's just on interacting with a bunch of strangers up until the very end. Um, so I think, yeah, I guess that, that is a part I didn't articulate is that it was very, very weak. And um, I think that's why, because Marisa has, has like this. Grand kind of, um, I don't know, genre vive about him, you know. And it, he didn't have that. It was very downplayed and underwhelming. And it's like, oh, he's this overwhelming, you know, high arc, I don't know, high arcing character or something. And he just doesn't have that this time. He's supposed to um, be a badass. Yeah, and he just he wasn't. It'd be a bit like spending. It'd be like spending an episode with Darren's parents, with yeah. Darren and Samantha not in it really until the very end. It's yeah. not the same kind yeah. of thing. It's thin as to be boring, and I thought it was boring. Exactly. Yeah. Precisely. So that brings us to the end of Literary License Podcast, and next month we'll be covering Bewitch season two, episodes five through eight. And before we go, Barbara, do you want to tell us where to find this anthology that you just um, have publishing that's coming out soon? Oh, well, all my books are on Kindle, Amazon. Um, yes, under Barbara Venn Kataraman. <laughs> and this one is called um, A Year of Shorts, Flash Fiction. And what we'll do is we'll make sure we'll have that information for our fans to make sure they can see that in our show notes. And then we'll also be in our newsletter. So sign up to our newsletter at www.llpodcast.com and make sure and you can win yourself a sweaty sweatshirt or a literary license podcast t-shirt now that it is summer. And um, of course we do give one of those away and sometimes we get two of those away a month. So make sure you sign up to the subscribing newsletter. Um, next episode, we're celebrating our month of women with the 50, uh, uh, we're celebrating our, <laughs> we're celebrating our month of women and with our two for one nature versus man with attack of the 50 foot woman from the 1954 and the incredible shrieking woman from 1983 starring Lily Tomlin and written by James Wagner, um, who basically her was, I think they're still in a relationship, actually, who's basically a very, very strong role about how chemicals ruin our world and what it can do to one person's body. And the episodes after that, of course, will be doing Dark Shadows. We'll be continuing on with our episodes from that. And our next book to screen is Alice in Wonderland, Lewis Carroll, and we'll be doing the 1954 Disney film, and that will be at the beginning of July. And we'll also be uh, airing Dinah Manoff, star of Grease, 
Emptiness, Soap, and Tony Award winner from I Ought to Be in Pictures, Dinah Manoff's interview will be coming out in two weeks' time. So it's good night for myself and good night, Barbara. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. Thanks. Good, good night, Vicky. Good night, everybody. Be safe. Good night, Jesse. Have a good night, folks. And we'll see you next week with the Woman. Having my baby What a lovely way of saying how much you love me Having my baby What a lovely way of saying what you're thinking of me I can see it Your face is glowing I can see it in your eyes I'm happy and that you're having my baby You're the woman I love And I love what it's doing to you Having my baby You're a woman in love And I love what's going through you The need inside you I see it showing Oh, the seed inside you, baby Do you feel it?